Welcome to the Rosie on the House Arizona Hour. Driven by Sanderson Ford. Your weekend wake-up tradition. It's Rosie on the House. Good morning, y'all. Thank you for getting up, starting your Saturday morning with Rosie on the house. We're all a little bit scratchier than normal. <laughs> it'll it'll come around. Got to get the vocal cords yeah. warmed up. Got to wake them up, I guess. Me, me, me. <laughs> all right. The Arizona Hour, where we get to do anything we want to do, but feel free to join the conversation. If we're on a topic you're particularly interested in, jump on in. Give us a ring at one 767 4348 Text is 411-923, or you can email info at com. We're now into August. Our staycation destination moves from pay, uh, the Payson area over to Cottonwood. Elevation of 3,000 feet, little... A little lower than uh, Payson. Founded in 1978 by Charles D. Willard, who wrote, As I looked down into the valley, I beheld a green swath extending southward as far as the eye could see. This proved to be the river bottom of Verde, covered with trees and vines. The trees being in full leaf presented a picture of greenery not often seen. No doubt accounted for the name given to the river and valley. The grass was knee-high and thick as it could stand. Now you said... 1978. Did I? Yeah. 18. Okay. See, I was testing to make sure you were paying attention. All right. (laughs) Uh, I was thinking, you know, that description would probably still work today, but you'd have to include some description of the rooftops in there. The rooftops? (laughs) 1878. You looked down in there and found a cottonwood. And the cottonwood actually got its name, the town, for a grove of 16 cottonwood trees that were in a circle just off of the river. Okay. Well, boy, there's some beautiful riverfront property all up and down right there. Just some gorgeous stuff. The whole month of August will bring you tips and notes and features and trivia about Cottonwood, Arizona. If you've got an interesting story about the area, you can send it in to info at rosieonthehouse.com or a person that knows a lot about the history you think we need to have on the air. Uh, We welcome you to call in. We've got the mayor who's going to join us next week along with a gentleman we met at the Arizona governor's office of tourism conference in tucson a few weeks ago that was the former uh chamber of commerce of jerome and is now one of the uh, people for the verde valley wine growers association okay all right well they they're they're doing a few wine tours there you can even do a wine tour by kayak through that area so that'd be interesting to know well i've brought in an, an old friend for the seven o'clock hour you've heard him here on the show before Don Ryden, local renowned architect, uh, very active in the preservation movement. Uh, we, we, we always keep bumping into each other at the Historic Preservation Society annual conferences. Don, thanks for coming in this morning. It's my pleasure to be here again, Rosie. Thanks so much for inviting me in. Good to see you back in the saddle. We've, uh, we've known each other for about 50 years. It back, goes back Ooh. to the 70s. Can you believe that? 50 years. Yeah, that's true. That's Man. true. Um, so it's going to be hard anytime you and I get together that I don't want to go back and just visit about old times 
because boy, those those were the glory days of ASU, the '70s, and seeing downtown getting renovated and them plopping that upside down pyramid right in the middle of of town. And those are one of the things we want to talk about, because at the last preservation conference, you gave a presentation on the Arizona architect that designed that. That's right. Uh, it was a presentation that uh, I had put together uh, first for the Arizona uh, AIA Architects uh, Archives Committee, and we presented it for that event, but then we did uh, a repeat at the Preservation Conference. And so I wanted to talk uh, about the careers of the father-son team of uh, Kemper and Michael Goodwin. They made a big difference in the look uh, uh, and development and economy of Tempe and ASU's campus. A lot of the, a lot of the ASU campus is their work. A- exactly. The father, Kemper, evidently uh, had to his credit over 60 buildings at the ASU campus beginning in the 1950s. Wow. That is incredible. Well, let's let's take just a couple of the buildings that they're that they have. The, the Memorial Union is theirs, right? That was the first modern style building ever constructed at ASU. Everything before that was neoclassical or you know some uh, period revival type building, but that was and still stands as the first modern international-style building at ASU. And it was so well planned out that it's still vital and resilient. They're still remodeling it, and it still retains its character. That's what Jennifer proposed to me. <laughs> is that how you remember it? <laughs> that's, well, I remember you met me down in the cafeteria, and that, that's how it all started. Well, I was stalking you. The proposal came later. <laughs> oh. Now, the other building that they're really, uh, the one that stands out in my mind, is the upside-down pyramid. Because as an engineering student going to ASU, they were building that as I was in engineering school. And I kept saying... I don't know what law of physics they're using because that shouldn't stand. <laughs> that shouldn't be there. Uh, yeah, it uh, kind of turns sensibilities on, on its head, literally and figuratively. What a challenging project. What, what gave them the idea to plant a pyramid upside down? There is a legend of how that happened. Uh, they had been talking to the, the powers of City Hall at the time, and they were trying to figure out how to make some kind of new, iconic, modern statement to bring Tempe into the modern post-World War II world and to show that it was a uh, uh, force to be reckoned with as a real uh, economic engine in Arizona. And it came, I guess, to Michael Goodwin one day while standing in the shower at home, and the sunlight happened to come in through the windows and stream across the steamy, uh, steamy uh, door of the shower, and it came in at such an angle, he said that 
he started to just draw on the side of the steamed up shower. Wow. And it came in. His idea was how to shade a building using the building's shape itself. And thus, by turning a pyramid upside down, he worked out how in the world that the building itself can shade itself. And he then... Without falling down. Yeah, without <laughs> falling down. So there's a structural aspect and there's an environmental aspect to it that he I mean, in, put in, it together. In my simple mind, you take this pyramid and you've got four outside corners and they're diverting from each other. Yes, sir. Somewhere's underground. They just must be buried as deep as they are above in solid concrete. You would think so. They, they have the four corner beams, I guess you'd call them. If you were making this out of a, as a roof, it would be a hipped roof turned upside down. Yeah. Those are the hipped rafters. But they are buried in huge concrete reinforced uh, foundations. And keep in mind that it's even an extra story lower because the pyramid on its head stands in a one-story sunken courtyard. Yes. So those those four corners come up, and then there's a belt, so to speak, holding the floppy corners up in the air uh, up on together top. up on top. So it, just imagine a, a pyramid uh, diagram of the major lines and edges that all work together as a tetrahedron. I watched them build it because I was on campus. My, my apartment wasn't far from where they were doing it. And every day I would just say, there's no way I'm going to that building. <laughs> <laughs> and I love hearing and, these and stories because forever I always just chalked it up to, well, it was the 70s. There was a lot of drugs. That's the only explanation for this. <laughs> to this day, I've never been inside that building. No. I really? have never been in the building. It's quite remarkable, especially uh, the conference rooms and the big public spaces. Uh, They're just Really quite remarkable. I wonder what I'd have to do to get invited to one of the top floor corner offices. Hmm. Well, let's see. You couldn't get a parking ticket or speeding ticket because the police aren't in that <laughs> building. So I, I, I don't know. I don't know. But um, so he turns the pyramid upside down to allow the roof of the building and the descending slopes of the building to self-shade the building. Exactly. And that was the whole point of it. And he went uh, to uh, experts in solar energy. Uh, in fact, one of my professors at, in the 60s and 70s, John Yellett, was the American foremost authority on solar energy. And uh, John Yellett said, no, 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 no. You need to turn the pyramid at 45 degrees to the compass to both shade it, but also to bring sunlight in into the winter and to warm the sunken courtyard. So contrary to probably your initial ideas, they turned the pyramid on a 45 degree angle to the grid of the city. Interesting. Well, we're here with Don Ryden, architect. And I actually took a picture of your PowerPoint presentation that was on the screen in the Elks Theater when you were talking about it, of 
this solar gain reduction and the lights. You can find it on our Facebook. It was June 14th in our timeline photo. So you can actually see their calculation of the reduction of solar gain by this design. It was quite, quite genius. And this is just one of the buildings by Michael Goodwin, who Don Ryden, our in-studio guest this morning, is sharing with us what he knows about that man's architectural career. There are other iconic buildings here in town that he's done. That he done? <laughs> he <laughs> that done. he done. <laughs> and and I, we're going to done talk about him after this break. Gonna, we're going <laughs> to done talk about him right after this. It's our Wide Open Road. The Rosie on the House Arizona Hour with Sanderson Ford. How I know of Toledo, Ohio. Well, I spent a week there one day. Oh. They've got entertainment. Oh, you're hurting dazzle me. dazzle your eyes. Go visit the bakery and watch the buns rise. <laughs> you? Oh, but let's not forget. You can't believe the, the grief I'm getting from people from Ohio. <laughs> Well, we got this song was sent to us by one of our listeners that said, I immediately thought of this song when you were talking about Ohio. And I looked around. You know, there's some, there's some things that we did not rec- realize were in Ohio. The House of Trash. We missed it. We, we waste our <laughs> made, time. Made entirely of yeah. tires, cans, bottles, and reclaimed barn wood. The world's largest apple basket. And there's something about erasers on there, just, too? The, the Pencil Sharpener <laughs> oh, Museum. Oh, okay. <laughs> and that's not a Wall joke. Of gum. There really is one, that, and it's in a while. Things that swallowed over right. 100 objects that uh, doctor kept from local residents that were swallowed, including a set of dentures, rubber hose, <laughs> diaper pen. Oh, please aren't, stop. Aren't you glad we live in Arizona where we can do an Arizona hour? You know, <laughs> that would be hard to do it all. It'd be hard to do one hour on Ohio. And Jennifer and I had been there recently to visit my daughter and her husband who stationed at Wright-Patterson Air And the Force grandkids, Base, the best And part. the grandkids. And I had been to Columbus years ago, and I called it the most boring city on the planet. And so going to Dayton, I, like I wasn't riveted. You know, I was just, oh, boy, we're going to Dayton. But I tell you what, here's, here is a full official military American salute to the city of Dayton. That city has a lot going for it. I didn't go downtown, but between the Wright Brothers Museums, the Carolyn Park, uh, the Wright-Patterson Aviation Museum is almost unbelievable. We went to Neil Armstrong's hometown on the day, the 50th anniversary day of his walk, and we got to see astronauts and shake their hand. I mean, I, I've I reignited my infatuation with aviation and space just being in Dayton for a week. So, But I am getting a lot of flack from people from Ohio. Look, if Ohio was so great, all you people wouldn't be here mad at me. <laughs> Back here in Arizona, yes. quickly our true and false me. section for a pair of Arizona State Park passes. The General Crook Trail, part of which goes through the Verde Valley was named after General Crook, and in the movie Geronimo, an American legend portrayed by Gene Hackman as Brigadier General George Crook, uh, reads a forced resignation letter to his tracker Al Sieber, which is Gus McRae, and Al asks, is there nothing to be done? And Hackman replies, nothing. Graceful retirement for a a general that could not catch Geronimo. True or false, was that the end of George Crook's career? 
Okay. Text the answer go. to 411923, and we'll pick a random right winner at the end of this programming segment. Send you two Arizona State Parks passes to any one of Arizona's 35 state parks, including Dead Horse State Park. And we're going to tell you how that got its name a little later. And General Crook was an incredible engineer, not just a, which he used in his pathfinding experiences. But there's a lot about that general that's to be respected, as and well as our in-studio guest, Mr. Don Wright. I think he wants to jump in on it. Oh, yeah, because I was a military reenactor for 20 years. I didn't Doing know the that. Indian Wars stuff. So General Crook is one of my heroes. Oh. He, he changed uh, military tactics in Arizona with uh, the diamond hitch for uh, putting together uh, packs on mules. He could load cannons on mules. He was, he he was almost... He, uh, cart marshaled for overloading the mules <laughs> at the time at the time the army regulations were, i think were 150 pounds per yeah. mule and he got it up to like 300 pounds right with he, no saddle sores no no animal exhaustion and he was, had to defend himself it was the the diamond hitch he used heliographs putting them on tops of mountain mountains using solar uh energy to flash morse code from uh, uh fort to fort and that's how he stayed ahead of the uh, the uh, Apaches. And then uh, he used Apaches to catch Apaches. They, they used the intertribal uh, uh, conflict to get scouts to help him find the other tribes. So well, it was amazing. Here we are dipping into the reservoir of knowledge of Mr. Don Ryden, <laughs> renowned, hey, hey. renowned architect, uh, author of Mid-Sidry Marvels, uh, Commercial Architecture of Phoenix, 1945 to 75. Uh, and it's just a pleasure to always have you. And I will tell you this, Don. There was a few years ago, maybe seven or eight years ago, we had you in every Saturday for one whole month. And we just talked about the evolution of housing in Arizona. And I'm going to tell you, those are four of my most favorite broadcasts of 30 years of doing this show. No kidding. Well, uh, that's an yeah. honor. Thank you. Yeah. Well, your reservoir of, of, of knowledge is unbelievable. So we've been talking about the Tempe upside-down pyramid city hall. There's another city that turned the pyramid right side up. And we're going to talk about that by the same architect, why he did it, and what it accomplished. Right here at Rosie on the House. It's our wide open road. The Rosie on the House Arizona Hour with Sanderson Ford. Oh, I love Lucy. Growing up in New River, that was at noon. Taking a break from school, we got to watch I Love Lucy and then Andy Griffith. And Little House of the Prairie, of course. And y'all, and y'all would record it on VCR recorders. <laughs> and when I got home that night, we'd all sit down and y'all would watch them again. <laughs> that was great. Well, you can see her now in color on the big screen. Oh, boy. Tuesday, 7 o'clock at 600 movie locations throughout America. Nine in the Phoenix area, three in Tucson, three in Flagstaff, three in Prescott. Uh, they're playing Lucy Does, a commercial, the Vita Vita Vegemin you just heard. Job Switching, Million Dollar Idea, Pioneer Woman, and L.A. at Last. In color as part of her 108th birthday. That's this Tuesday. Mm. You can go to fathomevents.com to find the 
one closest to you. And you know, the funny thing is, we got to find that, Jennifer. Absolutely. That? I would love to see it colorized. Yeah. The I Love Lucy, and I randomly turned on uh, Frogs, Frogs, Marching R- Up uh, and Red Down. Skelton. Red Skelton from 1952 the other night. And all the kids are like, uh, I'm like, fine, fine, pick something else. <laughs> Nobody changed the channel. They watch Red Skelton <laughs> for an hour. From uh-huh. 1950, I'm like, guys, T. Pear wasn't even born yet when this was. <laughs> <laughs> that was good stuff. That was great stuff. We're here in studio this morning with special friend Don Ryden, uh, architect and author of a book, Mid-Century Marvels. Uh, who all, and and Don recently made a presentation at the uh, Preservation Society uh, annual conference on uh, another architect here in town, Michael Goodwin, who designed. He and his dad designed many of the buildings at the ASU campus. Did you say 60 of the buildings were were originally uh, good ones? And then he did the upside-down pyramid at Tempe Town Hall. And then for another city, he took that pyramid and flipped it right side up. Exactly. For equally good reasons, he used the regular uh, shape of a pyramid for the town hall for Paradise Valley. And I, I mentioned I'd never been in the Tempe town hall, but well, I, I feel like I could move my second address to the Paradise Valley town hall. <laughs> That's a cool building. Oh, it's beautiful. They were uh, trying to figure out how in the world to express the essence of the town of Paradise Valley. And uh, uh, Michael Goodwin came up with uh, the idea that he would want to have a building that served as the living room for the community, a place away from the sun where he could express natural materials in a simple way. So uh, so he finally came up focusing on the idea of a building symbolically growing out of the ground to a peak with earth berms around it. He dug it into the ground, and he put a cooling fountain in front of it and uh, basically tried to create a home or a living room or a focal point for a community that's 99% houses. So it's very residential in scale. I'm glad Paradise Valley picked that era of time to do a building that typified Paradise Valley. Because if they did it today, they would just throw some big McMansion piece of junk up there. <laughs> That's true. Well, he, he kept it very simple. It was great. It's a great building. Oh, yeah. It, it truly is. And it does reflect the uh, residential image and even the uh, shapes of the mountains that surround the valleys. So you take Tempe's upside-down pyramid, turn it right side up, and bury it, and then bring an earthbound uh, perimeter around it. What's more ge- uh, geothermally <laughs> stable than six feet of dirt? That's that's exactly right. So what he was doing was using ancient uh, Arizona technology for a modern building. It's really based on the idea of uh, a hohokam pit house, which was uh, dug into the ground a couple of feet uh, and then uh, sticks and twigs and branches and beams put on top, covered with mud, uh, for uh, uh, a bunker below and a bower above. So just uh, in that same manner, he was following the uh, 
uh, indigenous method of construction. Well, Don, let I'd like to segue just a little bit for listeners. We're talking about Michael Goodwin, a, a very prominent, he with his dad Kemper, very prominent architect in Arizona through the 60s and the 70s. Um, and a big part of their success was understanding the desire and needs of the owner. And in my one semester of pre-architecture school, <laughs> before George Christensen said, Rosie, you'd make a great engineer. <laughs> but I don't, you can't design your way out of a paper bag. Go to engineering school. So I did. But in the one class, and I'm, I cannot remember the teacher's name, but you would know him. He, he was talking about the art and the science and the need of accurate programming. Oh, yes. And, and Don, I've seen you at work. And, and again, you're a master at programming. We, we did one laundry room, Romy, where he interviewed the client for two and a half hours for a room that was six foot by nine foot. <laughs> but it was the most incredible laundry room we've ever done. It was like industrial engineering. The, it was. The, the family had, what, three kids? Yeah. Something yeah. like that. And... Uh, Time was of the essence for the mom. And so we actually kind of reverse engineered how she worked in the laundry. And so it was actually a kind of like a factory yeah. uh, uh, assembly line in how a laundry room actually works. So we just lined it all up to be efficient. Each kid had a had a bin to put their clothes in. And I've, I've never seen so much thought going to laundry room in my life. I, I was... I was overwhelmed. <laughs> but programming, let's talk about that, the, the, the importance of it. The design that you come up with is only as good as the uh, information that you gain from your client. And it's the uh, architect's responsibility to be a very good listener and then to be able to feed back to the owner this is what I hear. This is what I understand. Here's a little bit of my experience thrown in. And make sure that you know what the rules of the game are before you start using your imagination and uh, are uh, influenced then by the site. In the case of a remodel, uh, you know, what, what's the room size? Uh, what's the utilities like? And f even for a simple laundry room, it, it can be quite, quite a challenge. Well, that that home, I believe, had been built in the 50s, if I remember right. Yes, it was and, a ranch-style house. You know, we had to move the electric panel, and there were a lot of things involved. But uh, I was, I, I, I thought that we were an hour and a half in the movie meeting, and I thought, well, he, he can't possibly have any more questions about this laundry room. And you, we could have probably gone another hour. And, oh, I'm sure we could have, but that would have been wasteful of our man. time and theirs. But... I mean, this the information you room got out of her was so important to the way this family operated, and the the, uh, the use of time was so special to them. We wanted to make sure that this was something that oh. we could respond to, and that was their focus. And talk to a homeowner that may be on the front end of a project. How how does he know he has the right architect? asking the right questions 
I think it's uh, a matter of interviewing architects uh, before you begin to find someone simply that you're you're comfortable with. First, you find out what their experience is, of course, and what some of the past uh, successes they've had with a particular building type. Or if you have something unusual that you're doing that maybe nobody's ever done that particular project before, find somebody whose experience has touched on the aspects of your particular project. So all the time we end up doing some kind of a matrix or a chart for somebody that said, here are the 12 projects that we've done that touch upon every one of the criteria that you have in your new, weird, one-of-a-kind projects. And so that's the way we prove to a uh, client that we have the uh, imagination, creativity, and the experience of uh, solving their problem, not only with substance, but also with style. And we've talked about the iconic buildings of the good ones, but you yourself have some some beautiful, beautiful products right here in the Valley. I mean, just the McFarland Memorial at the Capitol <laughs> Building. Well, that and, is... the, and the amount of thought that went into that it was unbelievable. That's true. That's one of those projects that you get once in a lifetime to do a memorial on the Capitol Mall to a great uh, Arizona, great American, Ernest W. McFarland, who was our senator, governor, and chief justice of our Supreme Court. And to tell a story in concrete and steel of this man's uh, work uh, for Arizona and America through the GI Bill. And so if you go down to the Capitol, you will see how we interpreted the man's life in landscape architecture and reflected the memories of his works and his love for his family. His grandchildren were our clients, not the state of Arizona. Oh, wow. This was their gift to Arizona, the the grandkids of Ernest McFarland. And so we listened to them. We integrated uh, a historian, builders, landscape architects, uh, lots of experts in special concrete because we wanted this uh, memorial to last for 200 years, and I dare say that it will. Oh, it's, it's a fabulous project. And we've been talking here with Don Ryden, architect. Uh, Don, we, if somebody wanted to get a hold of you, how would they do that? Very simply, you can uh, give us a... Telephone call at 602-253-5381, or just drop me an email, uh, don at rydenarchitects.com. And you office in a beautiful old historic home at McDowell and 3rd? Ninth Ninth, Ninth Avenue Avenue. in McDowell. Neat, neat house. 1929 two-story adobe house. I always see that, and then I go across farther down McDowell and you come to the fairgrounds and you think, man, you think they could clean this up to make it look as good as Don's place. <laughs> Maybe they should just hire the guy right down the road to help them clean up the fairgrounds a little. <laughs> now, I didn't ask you to say that because you didn't even know they actually have. They have. The, we are working with the Arizona State Fair right now. Trying to save now. the old ag building? <laughs> well, to, uh, to save the historic buildings and to present a much better 
character Good. to the outside world and Good. to make it more efficient and resilient. And uh, I will be its biggest it fan. <laughs> we have spent so many hours down there, and I'm always so you just come away just feeling exhausted because it's just you know what is wreck. funny though. What how, what's the style technique that they use to frame the roof of the ag building? Because every time I'm down oh, there, you've for sent an me auction, a picture of that. Yeah. I just oh. kind of get dazed staring at the roofing structure. Thinking, That's some pretty good carpentry work. <laughs> That's amazing. When you look up into the the uh, rooftops of the the vaulted, you know, the curved roof of the cow barns, you see diamond-shaped framing. That's called a lamella roof. And that was a very popular way of doing free spans back in the 1930s. Wow. That was a WPA building. It's made of adobe and set in a concrete frame and covered with a lamella wooden arched roof. That's cool. Who else could you have in studio that could tell you that, right? <laughs> but only Don Ryden would know that. We really appreciate you coming in this morning. We're the fastest growing. Maricopa is the fastest growing county in America. I think we're due for an update of our county fairgrounds. The Rosie on the House Arizona Hour, driven by Sanderson Ford. Arizona. I kind of, it's not Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> I've been so distracted by listening to Don, I completely blew past the true or false trivia, and Don knew it right away. (laughs) I'm I'm so old, I remember the day. (laughs) In your military reenactment, did you ever play General Crook? Oh, no, no, that wouldn't be be proper. His career in the Army did not end, as it indicated in the movie, uh, with the, when he was relieved from his command of Apache Wars. He died four years later as Major General in command of the Military Division of the Missouri. And the last four digits of your phone are 8673. Congratulations, you are the random right winner for our True and False this week. For any of the Arizona's 35 state parks, including Dead Horse State Park, that's in Cottonwood. That's where uh, my bridge for my Eagle Scout project is. That we did in 99? Yeah. 2000, yeah right like about then. Uh, and it, Dead Horse, I never knew how it got its name. And it was from the. the oh, Don knows. Go ahead. No, you tell. <laughs> tell no, 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 no. no, no, no you I, go. I'm I not going to take this away from no, you. No, I, 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 I want to see if your answer matches up our research. Well, well, it's a I great story because it's so obvious, but go ahead. <laughs> Romy, well, comes people, home, Romy comes home from Boy Scout Me. He says, My Eagle Project is going to be a horse bridge. I said, can't we do like a birdhouse or something? A horse bridge? So, I mean, it involves glue lambs, and we're going to build it in the warehouse, and we're going to take it apart. And re- I said, where are we going to put this? At Dead Horse State Park. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess the people who uh, were, some family was uh, looking for a place to uh, uh, put down some roots in the Verde Valley, and the family, the father and the kids, the mom, were looking over various properties and uh, they stumbled across a <clears throat> equine corpse uh, <laughs> there on that property and the kids uh, kept calling it the dead horse ranch uh, so when uh, they uh, finally decided on which property they bought the the ranch that had the dead horse on it. How'd he do, Romy? That, that's exactly what our research shows. <laughs> no I, kidding. It was the Iries family, Calvin, and also known as Cap Iries. And uh, 
It was named because the kids found a dead horse while they were looking for a place to live. <laughs> well, I'll relinquish my, my uh, state parks pass to some other listener. <laughs> Don, talk a little bit about your firm. Oh, well, we've been trying to uh, uh, help people out for the last 35 years. Uh, our, our firm is... Uh, uh, specializing in historic preservation, of course. That's what we've been come to be known for. But we also do planning and new architecture, too. Uh, we do residential, commercial, uh, institutional kinds of things, churches, schools. And um, we like to repurpose buildings. So if people have uh, uh, an existing building that... Uh, tells a story that they just need to change from one use to another, we do that kind of rehabilitation work and respect the uh, character of the building and uh, uh, bring it back to life for new decades of use. And the website? The website is ridenarchitects.com. R-Y-D-E-N, ridenarchitects.com. And the phone number? 602 253 5381. Don Ryden, architect here in the Valley. We, we go way back together, almost 50 years. Uh, I could almost ask you to stay the next three hours because when you're in the room, <laughs> the, the conversation can go anywhere, and it's just, it's just so enjoyable. Thanks a million for coming in this morning. It's my pleasure. Romy, what do you got coming up in the 8 o'clock? Well, I, well we're, it's the first of the month, so we're talking farm fresh, and right now we're talking tomatoes, one of the commodities that are available. We try and pick something that's currently coming off the farm this in the month that we have uh, that we're covering. So we're talking tomatoes today. Julie Murphy, the spokeswoman for Arizona Farm Bureau, will be joining us along with Mark Killian, director of the Arizona Department of Agriculture. But before we get there, we've got to reschedule Dawn for an hour talking about military reenactment yes, and all yes. the Arizona. I, I mean, I'm assuming the, these are Arizona battles that you're reenacting. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was Indian Wars and Civil War. And just next week, we're going to do a closeout on a re restoration project for, at Fort Verde. So it's perfect timing for your uh, Cottonwood, Cottonwood area and stuff. Yeah. All right. So we're going to get that on the books before we we wrap up here. And we got to go see the new estate park. That Rocking Rocking Horse State Park is right up in that area, right? It's not open yet. Oh, it's not. Okay. All right. Go ahead. Uh, Rockin' River Ranch. Rockin yeah. River. <clears throat> it will they're, they're trying to. There's easements and properties and situations that they're trying to 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 shift through, but that that will be fun cuz it's a neat oasis hidden right off of I-17. You're going so fast on your way to Prescott or Flagstaff, you would never even know that this little oasis is just a few miles off to the east. <laughs>